Welcome back to my podcast. I am 24. <clears throat> this is my podcast, 24's podcast. Today, once again, we're going to be talking about the weekend games. Huge, huge narratives coming out of week three on Sunday and on Monday. Very, very important games coming out of this weekend. But also, we'll have to review the absolute snooze fest that was Steelers versus Browns. Last night, I saw the game. Saw it live. Saw it live. We'll talk about that game. And kind of some of the implications. Could Mike Tomlin actually be fired? Is he not making... Is he making the correct decision? By keeping in Mitchell Trubisky over Kenny Pickett? We'll talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, right here. 24th Podcast. Fly me to the moon. The Neon Genesis. Neon Genesis. Oh my god. The Evangelion rendition of it. I think it was like a song that the anime series played as like one of the final songs on the TV show. I can't remember what happened. Pretty awesome rendition. You would not believe that that's the same song that uh, that Frank Sinatra sung. Unless you uh, you knew the lyrics, I guess. Mm. So, <clears throat> let's get started. What do we got here? Sorry, my mind is scattered all over the place. So this weekend, it'll be the third weekend of the 2022 regular season for the NFL. And we're approaching... Kind of like the quarter mark of the regular season. We're getting close to four weeks in. We're essentially at the end of September. These will be the final games that will be played in the month of September. September is a hard month for the NFL because a lot of teams that are performing badly probably will not perform badly over over the entire stretch of the NFL regular season. Teams that are performing uh, great will not perform great overall throughout the entirety of the season. It happens every single year. This is kind of the turning point or one of the many turning points of the regular season where you'll start seeing teams kind of flip, go from playing great to bad, go from playing bad to great. And some people, they have their picks. Some people, it's like, it's the Colts, it's the Raiders. I'll give my takes on it. I'll give my thoughts and I'll give my opinions on it. But on top of just the season progressing and teams finally finding a footing in the regular season, this week is very important for just a team's overall record. If you're in a competitive division and if you're playing against a divisional opponent, like let's say, for example, the Dolphins versus the Bills on Sunday, 
One o'clock, big game. If you're that team, if you are a team in that scenario, this weekend is very important, especially when it comes to the Bills and the Dolphins because the Bills and the Dolphins are both tied at 2-0. They're both going into this game as the divisional leaders and winning against the Dolphins in Miami is going to be a big win for the Bills because you then get to take the final game back home to Buffalo and you put a lot of pressure on the Dolphins to catch up to you. And then on top of that, on the flip side of that, Miami, it's just like, it's a big game for you because it's like, if you win it, you have a fantastic lead over the Bills in the division. That's just like one of many scenarios that we're going to be playing this weekend. It's an awesome weekend for football. Awesome weekend. So many divisional matchups. So many important games that are going to be played this weekend that are going to be lining up. I kind of want to get into a little bit of the news before we get into week three predictions. I do want to talk about the Browns and the Steelers. What an absolute snooze fest for about two quarters, maybe a quarter. I can't remember when the explosion of offense just took place. It was it was like six, the second quarter, really. And then the Browns had another explosion in the fourth. But for the most part, the game was a bit of a snooze fest. It was. It really was. I was sitting in this exact same chair watching it on the big screen on the TV. And I was just like, when is somebody going to do something? Holy fuck! But um, nobody kind of did anything. The Steelers kept on trying to run Najee Harris. Speaking of week three, a, a pr- perfect example of week three. All right. The Browns are two and one which they really should be 3-0 and because they went up against the Jets, the Steelers. Who else did they go up against? Jets, Steelers, oh yeah, and the Panthers. The level of competition for the Browns right now is not very good. And it will continue to not be very good because they go up against the Falcons in about a week. Two weeks they go up against the Chargers, week after that Patriots, week after that Ravens. So in the next four weeks, they're going to have a little bit more pushback. Potentially, we will see. The Browns, of course. But right now, it's just like they could potentially be, I said 4-0, I meant to say 3-1 and because they lost to the, uh, to the Jets, which they really even shouldn't have. Steelers, on the other hand, are 1-2. and two. And really, they should be 3, or excuse me, 0-3. Oh Didn't they tie with... The, no, they beat the Bengals. I keep, I keep forgetting that they beat the Bengals. I'm like, I'm like, wait, I, I was like, they shouldn't have a loss. They, they shouldn't have a win. They should have three losses. And it's just like, no, like, like I, I consider, I, I mean, I consider ties a loss, but I just completely forgot that that game went into overtime. Steelers at Bengals week one. I was just like, I can't, I can't believe that they beat the Bengals. But yes, the Steelers, they're up a creek without a paddle. They're one and two. Shocked at how good Amari Cooper is playing for the Browns. He already has two games where he is over 100 yards and a touchdown. Great job, Dallas. Really could have needed Amari Cooper this year, couldn't you? I I'd still despise Dallas for trading him. I still think that it is absurd that they traded one of the best wide receivers in the NFL for peanuts because they didn't, because Jerry fucking Jones didn't like him. But regardless, the Browns. Beat the crap out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. 29-17. Final score. Jacoby Brissett played very well. For backup. 
And the Browns will go into next week feeling pretty good about themselves. Will they be a playoff team this year? If you had told me Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended for six games, I would have been like, oh, they're halfway through his six-game suspension, and they have won two out of three games. I would have been like, oh, yeah, maybe. He gets suspended 11 games. He won't be back until December, ironically enough, to play Houston. I don't know if they are a playoff team. We're talking about eight weeks more of football. So I'm not sure what's going to happen in between that eight weeks. Let me just check. Like, who do the Browns play against the next couple of weeks? Texans game is on December 4th. I mean, in six out of the next eight weeks, they go up against essentially playoff teams, either from this year or last year. They go up against the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Bills, and then the Bucks. And then the other two games that they have are against Atlanta and against the Chargers. So it's just like, I don't know, maybe. Like the next week, Atlanta may actually be their final week where they win. And then they could just go on this absolute tear of losses. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, there wasn't much said to be said about the Steelers versus the Browns. Oh, yes. Where would I be without talking about George Pickens? Hold on. Let me talk. Let me let me plug in my computer. Hold on. So George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia, second round draft pick this year, dog. Bulldog had a very similar play to the Odell Beckham Jr. catch. One-handed grab, fading away, push off, a little bit of a push off. One-handed grab, snagged it, off balance, great catch. Great catch. And I think I said in the preseason, I was like, George Pickens should have been a first-round draft pick. He should have. It's very obvious now. I said it then, I'll say it again. He was a hard evaluation. He like had an iffy couple of years after his freshman year. His freshman year was awesome. He's very similar to Derek Stingley. And I didn't believe Derek Stingley should have been a first round draft pick. And I still don't. I still don't. But George Pickens had a great freshman year in college. And then the next two years were a little bit iffy. And then his final year in training camp or spring training he tore his ACL. By the way, how the fuck is he playing this well after tearing his ACL last year? I don't I don't get it. He's a, he's a monster. He's a freak. He's the Steelers' next great wide receiver. But George Prickins tears his ACL spring training. He gets out. He plays okay in the in the Nash. He plays great for being essentially a player that is obviously still hurt. Still hurt. He was still hurt. I don't care what anyone says. He was still hurt last year when he played for Georgia against Alabama in the Natty. But for a player who was hurt, he played very well. But my point is, is that he was just a hard evaluation. You didn't really have anything to go off of outside of the natty. But you're not going to essentially be like, this player is great because of one game. That would be ridiculous. But then again, people said the exact same thing about Trey Lance and how awesome he was. And uh, first two years hasn't necessarily gone his way now, has it? But George Pickens, absolute steal for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
I'm a little bit shocked that they, maybe not shocked, I'm not shocked that they don't know how to use him, but I'm shocked that they aren't trying to use him more, especially when he is their best offensive player, and it's really not even close. Like, some people would say Najee. I'm like, they give Najee the ball like 20-something times, right? Excuse me, they gave it to him 15 times. By the way, Najee Harris had another bad game. 15 carries, 56 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. Some people are going to be, he's an awesome running back. He, he has bad blocking. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want. They give the ball to Najee 15 times. They, uh, George Pickens had three receptions. He should probably have like eight or nine. Eight or nine. Mitchell Trubisky was, uh, what's the word? He was, like, he didn't do anything. I was about to say he was good, but he didn't do enough to win the game. And I was, I was about to say something a little bit cliche, but in reality, it's just like, he didn't really do anything. I'll repeat my earlier statement. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, Mitchell Trubisky is playing football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're giving him some easy completions. They try to attack downfield a couple of times, but really they didn't. They said to themselves in the meeting, we're not going to win the game off of Mitchell Trubisky. We're going, to win the, we're going to win the game off the back of our defense. For a team that is spending so much money on defense, their defense did not play very well last night at all, by the way. They just did not. Cleveland has a pretty decent offensive line, all things considered. Or, excuse me, offensive line, all things considered. So I wasn't that surprised that they were able to move the ball and pound the rock down Pittsburgh's throat. I was just surprised that Pittsburgh was surprised. I was just like, you guys, you guys didn't think that they could run the ball with Big Chubb, Nick Chubb? You guys didn't, you guys didn't think that? You guys didn't account for that? Okay. And then it was just, it was ball game. It was ball game. I, maybe not ball game, it was ball game at the fourth quarter. It was just one of those games where I was just like, I don't know who's going to win this. I was, I was like, maybe Pittsburgh wins it because obviously George Pickens was popping off, but then they didn't freaking throw the football at all. They were just like, we're going to run it. We're going to run it. And it's just like, oh God. And then they lost. By 12 points too, 17 to 29. Not an easy thing to do. Circling back, before we, uh, before we get to... What is it? NFL regular season predictions. Let me take a short break. I got to get myself another double espresso. Starbucks double espresso. I am exhausted. I got to wake myself up. It's not even close. Like, I usually record this late in the afternoon. But today I was like, eh, I'm ready. There's nothing really. Like, I don't really know of any news. Let me just check. Is there any news that I need to be aware of? I like to record this later on in the day. So that way I can, like, you know, not have to deal with not be like blindsided by something, but uh, no, there is no news. But anyways, let me, let me peace out for like a couple of minutes. Let me get some, uh, get, get a double espresso, come back. I'll like chug it and uh, we'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, 24th podcast.
Sorry about that. <clears throat> Hold on, I, I can't, I can't cut her off when she's killing it. Like, how am I going to be the buzzkill that ruins an artist's awesome rendition of Fly Me to the, to the Moon? Come on. Come on. Oh, gosh. Sorry about that. Before we get into week three, I, I just want to talk about some other stuff. Uh, the, whole, the whole Boston Celtics head coach thing. Like, I feel like way too many people are commenting on it without even... Fully knowing what's going on. I don't know. So if you don't know what's going on, the Boston Celtics head coach, Ime, I don't know what, what the fuck his last name is. It's something Nigerian. But um, this motherfucker who has a kid with Nia Long, who is essentially married to Nia Long, cheats on Nia Long with a Boston Celtics assistant coach assistant I'm not really sure who this person is the Boston Celtics haven't come out with who she is I don't think they have to but he like look this situation is a PR nightmare for the Celtics and you know what they should have fired him and I, I remember seeing Stephen A. Smith and Malika Andrews Get into it today on first take. I said because it was on Twitter, not because I actually, <laughs> not because I actually tuned in to watch the show, but because I okay, I have I I found it. It's it's still trending on Twitter, on like sports Twitter, but it's like I just I saw it and I was just like, I don't know what like I don't know what's going on, like I know that he had consensual sex or a consensual re it's it's sex they had sex i know that they had a consensual relationship with one another when he was the head coach for the boston celtics but it's just like over i don't know i don't know i don't know anything else that's it i don't know who this girl is i don't know if she's an assistant coach i i don't know and I'm trying to find the clip of, like, Malika Andrews going off on Stephen A. Smith. Here it is. Oh, no, that's the 37-second one. Where is it? I'm trying to, like... <clears throat> hold on, hold on. I'm trying to fucking find it. There's, like, a two-minute clip of Malika Andrews going off. And I'm just, like, I don't... I don't... Here it is, right? It's like, it's got to be one of these. Here, here, I found one. It's just like... Start with this. Steve. Sorry. I don't really know what to make of it, right? I mean, obviously, what he did was wrong. Obviously, like, to me, it's just like, the head coach of the Boston Celtics should be fired. I mean, that's just me. He'll be rehired because he's awesome and stuff like that, but you can't, you can't have somebody who is essentially, like, just gonna, like, have sex with a, um, with a subordinate even if it's consensual at your place of business, when it is, when it is a rule, it is a rule for the Celtics 
that you cannot apparently have sex with a subordinate when you are the employer or you are in a position of power. To me, it's just like, if this is such a big rule, why the fuck wouldn't you fire him? I don't know. That's just me. But I don't know why they would suspend him for a year. It's kind of like a, a slap in the wrist. It kind of fucks you over as the Celtics. It's just like, I don't know if he did this with more women. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's more women involved. That's another thing. Apparently they've been investigating this for months. I don't know if there's more women. I don't know who the woman is. I don't know. And consensual relationship. I like, sure. But was she pressured into it? You know, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's my problem. I don't know. It's just weird. But here's Malika Andrews uh, going off on Stephen A. Smith. It, like, we're going to listen to both clips. It's about four minutes of just nothing. I don't even, I don't, the more I listen to Stephen A. Smith and Malika Andrews bicker about this this morning, the more confused I was as a listener. I was stunned. I was just like, get to the point. I will get to the point faster than they will. Here's Malika Andrews going on first take, calling in, talking about God knows what. And uh, we'll play Stephen A. Smith's little tete-a-tete that he has with her as well because uh, everybody's clowning on Malik Willis or Malik, uh, Malika. I, I, have I been saying Malik? Malika Andrews. Everybody's been clowning on her. And I'm like, I think both clips are ridiculous. But more so Malika to be honest with you, because she gets on Stephen A. Smith. I don't have the context. Hold on, let me try and find the proper context. ESPN, for the love of Christ, nobody, oh God, nobody watches ESPN at all. Nobody watches First Take. Every The reason why people watched First Take originally was because it was like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if it was fun or interesting, but like people, people used to watch it on the internet. I don't know why you don't try to live on the internet. I found a better clip, not on Twitter. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna watch that. Get the shit off my, I got an ad. I got two, two ads. I don't, I don't fucking get it. Hold on. Here we go. I think this is just so interesting. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, with all Hold on, let me pause it. There's like two videos, like ESPN released one, and then some somebody just clipped it and then uploaded it. Here we go. Hold on. Here's like... Here's like... I don't know if this is before Malika Andrews. I don't know if this is after. I think she calls in after this clip or before. I, I, don't, I don't know. Here we go. Discussing the Ime Odoka suspension, which is one year for a consensual relationship with a staff member. A couple notes I took copious, and then I'll get right to the reaction, fellas. The suspension comes with a significant financial penalty. Um, there were a couple of violations, at least. Brad Stevens was very emotional. He said, we have a lot of talented women in our organization yesterday. It was really hard on them. Nobody can control Twitter speculation and rampant expletive. And Brad Stevens definitive about the fact... Well, like, this is my problem. If you don't want people to speculate on who your coach had sex with, maybe don't 
put it out that your coach had sex with a woman. Maybe just say, look, with with multiple people. Look, just say, look, if you want, if you want, if you don't want people to speculate, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Because if you said he is being suspended for a consensual sexual relationship with an employee, then you cannot be mad at people being like, who is this employee? You know, you can't have your your cake and eat it too. If you want to be, if you want, if you want your cake, if you want, if you don't want people to speculate, and my guess is they speculated correctly. I think people got who it was. I don't know, but I've like seen people guess. But if you don't want people to guess, just be like, we're suspending him on personal and private matters. And we've handled it inside the facility. But you brought it out. You want own it. Own your shit. That's my, that's my gripe. And I think that's a gripe with Stephen A. Smith as well. But it's just like, it's so confusing how people talk about this. Because I'm like, if the Boston Celtics didn't want people to know about this, then don't fucking talk about it. Fire his ass or suspend his ass. Give him a, give him a financial penalty for an undisclosed amount of money or disclosed amount of money. It'll never be enough because he'll, he'll be back next year. Just like, oh my God, you, oh my God, the Boston Celtics won't be back, won't, won't have their head coach. They may not need him. If this was a lesser team, like let's say if this was the Minnesota Timberwolves, nobody would give a fuck. But because you were just in the NBA Finals, people actually care. He will not take over coaching ranks. Obviously, we know even if Joe Mazzulla, who will be the interim coach, didn't pan out. Uh, Stephen A., I'll, I'll start with you, and then obviously we'll get to Woj. Your reaction to what you just heard. I didn't think coming into this show that I could get more furious, but I am. Um, Woj, first of all, to you, thank you for your reporting on this story on top of everything, as always. All I'm going to do is give you my perspective. I certainly don't expect you to have comments about that. Um, Wick, the, co the, the owner, Wick Grousberg, I like him. I've known him for years, uh, constantly running across him made in many Celtics events, been very fond of him, incredibly disappointed today. Um, Ime Udoka cannot be defended. His actions were egregious, irresponsible to be in the leadership position that he is in. I'm not here to make any excuses or any apologies uh, for his behavior. It is inexcusable. It's a fireable offense as far as I'm concerned. I agree. But it doesn't negate what the Celtics are doing here. According to your reports, Woj, and what we have been talking about over the last couple of days, this was a consensual relationship. Was Ime Udoka involved with himself? The answer to that question is no. Two consenting adults engaged in this act or these actions that clearly were in violation of the Boston Celtics policy. But all we're hearing about is email. And, some, and, and, and to Wick Grousberg, who I profoundly respect, I would strongly advise you. Grousebeck. Grousebeck, I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't know why I said Grousebeck. To Wick, I would strongly advise him. Maybe he should speak to a publicist or, or take some classes himself because he threw out a couple of bombs there about email Doka implications that feed stereotypes and things of that nature and 
I, I'm not going to regurgitate what he said, but it was very, very alarming. Highly one-sided. And as far as I'm concerned, based on this press conference, there is no reason on earth right now why Ime Udoka is still a head coach of the Boston Celtics, albeit a suspended one. Because I agree. not only did you suspend him, but Woj, correct me if I'm wrong, he also said, then we'll reevaluate after next year. So you retain that, his right. That was very gray, that That's whole right. part of it. What does he need to do between now and June he to didn't retain answer his that. job? He didn't answer that, number one. Number two, he didn't make a declaration that after the year suspension, E-May would be back. He yeah. said, we'll revisit it then. Now, I understand that at this particular moment in time, Woj, you and I both know, covering the NBA for as long as we have, that Ime Udoka is an unhirable individual. But the unhirable portion of it, I would make the claim, is primarily due to the fact that the story was leaked out and we are now discussing it publicly. That's what would make him unhirable if you didn't know. If NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, were signed, and this was sort of kept in-house, but you fired him. The likely, you know, who knows what the chances are. But after this press conference, the NBA itself, not to mention any team in the league, you can't touch Ime Udoka at this particular moment in time because of the implications that were given at this press conference. I mean, my God, listen, let's go back, and, and, and I'm not going to sit up there and regurgitate it again, but go back and listen to Wick talk. I'm a very alarmed by this, Woj. And I'm going to just leave it at that for the moment. So after that, Malika Andrews, who is a ESPN, she's kind of like um, one of the up-and-coming stars at ESPN. She hosts, she took over. I mean, not even took over. She took, <laughs> she took, uh, what's her name? Nicole Rachel's? I don't know. Rachel, Rachel Nicole. There we go. She took Rachel. She's 27. Damn. She's super young. For like a broadcast journalist media person, like everybody's in their 50s and 60s. I, everybody's super fucking old for some horrific reason. But Malika Andrews took Rachel Nichols' job and um, she's been a standout for ESPN essentially ever since. She goes on first take and this is like the start of the reaction. It's like seven minutes. I'm not gonna... I'm not going to go into the seven minutes, to be honest with you, all of it, because we'll be here all day, but here's the start of it. With due respect, this is not about pointing the finger. Stop. What, what became apparent to me in this press conference is that we do not have all of the information here. And it was frustrating to me that the Celtics declined to elaborate or to give more specifics about what exactly the rule breaking was that led us to this point so, so let me clarify excuse me because i thought that they were just having sex uh, apparently they were not having sex apparently it is i don't know which is again like i'm i don't i don't know what's going on like they're like they were in a consensual relationship and it's just like well what exactly did they do did he like apparently there is emails i didn't listen to the press conference so i don't know it's just like, if there were emails, did he just, like, send dick pics? Which is stupid. Why would you send... It's so stupid. Oh, my God. He deserves to be fired for, like... Okay, like, regardless... Regardless of whatever he did, it was consensual, apparently. I don't know what he did. Nobody knows what, 
what he did. I, I don't I don't know. I just want to get that out of the way first. But to answer your question, Molly, I think what stood ahead. out to me I, I think what stood out to me is that Brad Stevens, he was upset. That's what stood out to me about what he termed uh rampant Twitter uh BS is the word that he used, that women were unfairly dragged into this within the Celtics organization. You could see that Brad Stevens was visibly upset about this. And The problem is, and again, if Brad Stevens didn't want this speculation, then he shouldn't have fucking like said like he like he was in a consensual da 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 da. They should have just been like boom boom, we're firing him. You know? And it would be so much easier if they were just like we're firing him over sexual misconduct. Instead of clarifying it was a consensual relationship and that were emails involved. It should have just been, we're firing him over sexual misconduct. Boom, boom. Twice. Two snaps. None. How do they fuck up PR this bad? This badly? When they probably have a PR guy in their facility for the Boston Celtics and they fuck it up this bad? It's just like, guys, like I'm doing this shit for free. Come on now. I also found that to be gross and unnecessary that folks were bringing in the names and the images of women that is just not a fact. That was purely speculation. Well, and no. Well, like, like, don't gas my, don't gaslight me, Malika. She's just like, well, they're bringing in women and names and they're speculating and it's just not factual what people are saying and it's just like well if they're bringing in well it's like come on it's not that big of a stretch to say that a woman from the boston celtics organization was involved in a consensual relationship with imi udoku ime udoku because that's what the boston celtics reported on that's what don't gaslight me that's what they said that's what we're going off of what they said. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. If you are Ime Udoku, who's just like, man, or not Ime Udoku, but Brad Stevens, you cannot be like, you. The, the, if you wanted to protect these women, you could have said this. We had a man who was in a position of power. He abused that power. He broke our rules. He broke our trust. It was not the woman's fault. Our women do a great job for us. Da, 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 da. But you also have to recognize that literally you cannot stop the speculation. You just, you can't stop it. Because people are going to wonder, what did he do and who did he do it with? If it's a consensual relationship, those two questions are going to be constantly asked. It's not the woman's fault. Nobody's saying that it's the woman's fault. People are like, what the fuck did he do? And then who did he do it with? That's the question. That's the question. Because if he did it, I don't know if there's a woman on the assistant. If there is a woman who is an assistant coach, I don't know. But if he did that to an assistant coach, that's terrible. But if he did it, it's terrible across the board. But it's a different type of terrible if it's just like, well, I'm going to do this with an assistant coach or I'm going to do this with an executive. Like there needs to be context that's involved. And I am so annoyed with Malika Andrews and Brad Stevens, because both of them are like, it's terrible to speculate, or da-da-da-da-da, and it's just like, it's a logical conclusion. It is a hypothesis. 
It is a educated guess. You cannot condemn people for having educated guesses on information that you yourselves have put out yourselves. It's absurdity. It's cognitive dissonance. It's lack of nuance at the finest, highest of levels. Women that is just not a fact. That was purely speculation. Of course it's speculation. You didn't give us any fucking information. So to me, that is- On who this woman is. Besides, it is a woman, and she was in a consensual relationship with Emi Adoku that was apparently misconduct and against the rules of the Boston Celtics. That's the only information that we have to, to go off of. If you told us who this woman was, if you told us what we would, what he was doing with her, then we would actually not have any questions or speculation. We would have, quote-unquote, as Malika Andrews said, the facts. Folks were bringing in the names and the images of women that is just not a fact. That was purely speculation. And so to me, that is what stood out. But the Celtics as an organization could have done more. And short of doing more ahead of this yesterday, they could have owned that responsibility in this press conference. I understand that there were legal parameters that they had to operate within uh, for everybody involved. And I appreciate the fact that they brought in uh, outside counsel and did a thorough organization. And I think that that is something that was clearly uh, necessary in this situation. But the fact that it was able to go on all day, the fact that we are sitting here debating whether somebody else should have been suspended or not, we are not here, Stephen A., to further blame women. By that the way, by the way, from like the four minutes that I played, that's not what he was doing at all. He, it got close for like a second, but that's not what he um, was doing at all. I don't know if the, there is an additional three minutes, so I don't know if that's what he said. But for the right, that, uh, that's what, that's not what he said. Not why we are here. First of all, let me be very clear. I don't appreciate where you... This is the start of the exchange. ...going with that. I'm not blaming anybody but Ime Udoka. He deserves... The fact of the matter is I've said he deserved to be fired if they were going to fire him. If you're not going to fire him, then don't fire him. My issue is all of this being publicized. The point that I'm trying to make is just you like you're not mentioning... Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I listened to you. You're the one telling me to stop on my show. It ain't happening. Okay, that's number one. Number two. I've that's the clip that everybody is like popping off on, the part where he's just like, this is my show. Don't interrupt me. I've let you speak for like two minutes. Which is right. He's right. He's listened patiently. He's let her go off. He's right. Freddie said he deserves to be fired or he deserves what to, to be there and handle it internally and privately. If you're not going to handle it privately, if you're going to publicize it in that fashion, then obviously it provokes everybody wanting to know, okay, well, who are the parties involved? Exactly. Well, you have Amina Smith in Boston and other women pointing out the fact that there were women who were wrongly implicated in all of this. It's a disservice to them. I didn't come out with the report about a consensual relationship. I didn't come out with the report ahead of time leaking that we were, they were going to suspend him for the year, 
they did that. And my point is considering how pervasive this kind of stuff has, has, has existed in professional sports for many years. My whole point is, is that, excuse me, make sure that you handle it in the same fashion it has always been handled. You could have fired him, and then we could have speculated till the cows come home, but he's gone. But exactly. Keep him there. Keep him employed, but in the same breath, suspend him for a year. Then also that year is indefinite. That is the issue that I have. Nobody's trying to protect Ime Udoka, and certainly nobody is trying to protect, uh, is, to, is to excoriate the women involved or anything like that. I'm talking about how... He's essentially saying, like, nobody's trying to blame the women, excoriate. What? I've seen him use that word, like, hundreds of times, but I have... What is excoriate? Excoriation. Uh... What? Censor or criticize severely. I was like, I'm getting a skin disease definition. Things of this matter are usually handled from an HR perspective, from an organizational perspective. That is not consistent with what we have seen throughout the years. That is the only point that I was trying to make. I'm not trying to attack anybody, and if anybody deserves to be attacked, it's Ime Udoka for putting himself in this position. I've made that very clear. I'm just talking about you got owners and everybody else. They know the kind of stuff that's going on. You didn't say anything about anybody else. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about them. They didn't say anything about everybody else. Mm. All the other times this stuff has happened, but now when it comes to him, it's all over the place. That is my issue. That is my only issue. Essentially, what he's saying is that the owners, he's switched up his argument a little bit here. He's saying that the owners, whenever they commit sexual misconduct against employees, it gets swept under the rug. In Robert Kraft's case, I love how everybody's like making jokes. I remember Rich Eisen making a joke about how Robert Kraft got like a, um, got like a happy ending massage. And then he was just like, I am offended that Deshaun Watson did the, it's just like, keep that same energy, bro. But um, it, yes, there is a significant history with owners, high executives, not just in the NFL, but in the NBA, getting away with supreme amounts of sexual misconduct. Continuing Gordon. I appreciate that clarification. And I think that getting back to Molly's initial question, that is what stood out to me from the press conference. My reaction to the press conference, and I, I appreciate you clarifying that, Stephen A., is that the only thing that was made clear to me in this is that we are missing a key piece of information here. That is my reaction to the press conference. Obviously, random women getting... All right, so that is... And then it's just like, I'm... <laughs> uh, I got a, uh, like a YouTuber commentating over it. But that's it. That's the clip that I have about M.A. Udoku and somebody else. I don't know. It's just, oh God, it's so weird. So weird. So incredibly weird. Again, I have no idea what he did. I have no idea. It could be that he sent a dick pic. I don't like, and again, speculation is just like, all right, you don't want me to speculate. Tell me what the fuck he did. If you want me to speculate, then try to just 
essentially pretend like people, like, just try to pretend like I'm not going to be curious about, you know, why you just suspended your head coach for a year and potentially could fire him next year because apparently it's going to, you're going to quote unquote, we reevaluate his process. They probably won't. It'll probably just be that he gets suspended for this year and then he'll be back to coaching next year. And it's just like, I don't know why we're playing this song, this same song and dance. If you're not going to fire him, then just fucking slap him, give him a slap on the wrist, give him some money, you know, take some money away from him, suspend him for X amount of games, da 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 da. Like, stop, stop pretending like you're, like you actually care. You know, that's just my problem. If you cared, he would be fired. Because what happened? It, like, is he going to do this again? Is my issue, is my problem. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe he'll go to therapy. Maybe he'll have somebody evaluate his, you know, like, um, like his, like maybe you can have, I, I, I don't know. There's like so many different ways that you can get a, around a lot of this stuff. A lot of these like checks and balances. And it's very, very easy as long as you're doing the checks and balances and unless you have like a different independent governing body that you are not paying for. Don't give me the whole, they had in a third party come in and investigate. And it's just like, well, yeah, that they're paying for. And of course they can set their own terms. They can sign NDAs. They can do like a bunch of different stuff to make sure that uh, it's it's essentially a cover up to make themselves look better or Ime Odoku look better or the situation look not as bad as it actually is. They can do that. Regardless. That's the whole situation abound around the Boston Celtics. There's also some interesting stuff going on about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this. And the Lakers. So the Lakers are not willing to part ways with their two first-round draft picks in, like, the, the late 20s, 2020s. And I've been on the Genie Bus is a great owner train because I was like, Genie Bus, when it regarded, when it came to in regards of her brother, I was like, she is doing what is best for the team. She's doing what's best for the fan base. She's doing what's best for winning. And I love that. I was like, she fired her fucking brother. She brought in Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson brought in LeBron. LeBron got AD. And the rest is history. They got an Addy. They, not an Addy. They got an NBA championship. And I was like, boom, I love her. She's great. Da-da-da-da-da. She's been fucking up the last couple of years. I don't know how else to say it. This is not good. This is bad. This is bad ownership. This is like bad ownership 101. Putting off winning in the now to potentially rebuild in the future. And it seems like LeBron is going to limp to the finish line when it comes to the Lakers and his career instead of going out with the proverbial bang. Because the Lakers reportedly denied a two first-round draft pick trade for Buddy Hield and somebody else that could potentially help them, them to win. They were not aggressive enough on Kyrie and and other football players. It was just not a great offseason for the Lakers relative to what they could have and should have done this offseason. And they were, it's always been, we're worried about our first round draft picks. We're worried about our first round draft picks in like six, seven years. And it's just like, what? Like, guys, like, what? Just like, who are these players that you guys are thinking of getting in the first round? Are you going to be so terrible that you're going to be able to get a top five pick? I would hope not. Just like take a take a play out of the uh, the book of the Rams, they sacrificed their their future in order to win in the present, and it's worked. Two Super Bowls, they went to two Super Bowls in the last four years, and they won one. 
Just like forget the people that are like, we're not going to sacrifice our future in order to win in the present. That's the whole point of the sport. This is like the only type time, or excuse me, this is like the only scenario where you should 1000% sacrifice the future in order to potentially maximize your present. Nobody cares about the, the X draft pick that you have in X year. Everybody cares about how many trophies you put in trophy cases. And LeBron, even in the twilight of his career, is still like a top 10, top 5 NBA basketball player currently playing the sport. Just like, figure it out. I would hope that they would do something. Kevin Durant was up for a trade. Kyrie Irving, I thought, was going to be a, a potential Laker. Both of them, like, the Nets are about to start their training camp. Ben Simmons is apparently there as well. Like, there's so much chatter about certain players wanting to get out and to be traded. And, like, certain, like, specifically out of Brooklyn, nobody got traded. Nobody got fired. I don't know. It's like, you really want to run it back again with Russell Westbrook again? When Russell was not very good at all last year? Okay. All right. We'll figure it out. I'm like, only guy that LeBron can't figure out. And I said it when the Lakers didn't go to the playoffs this year. I was like, Russell, Russell Westbrook is the only player that LeBron can't figure out. James Harden couldn't figure him out. Figure him out. James Harden and Kevin Durant, when they were both on the exact same team, couldn't figure him out. In Oklahoma, OKC. Got all the points, got all the accolades when he was in Washington, but when he went to the Lakers, and LeBron can figure out the weirdo that is Kyrie Irving, he can figure out Anthony Davis, He can figure out how to play with Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Wade. He can figure out how to play with a lot of different all-star Hall of Fame basketball players, except for Russell Westbrook. He can't figure that guy out. That's ridiculous. Can't figure him out. They're just like, and hey, let's run it back with uh, Russell Westbrook. I'm like, mm, let's not. <laughs> I'm like, mm, let's not. Let's not. But... <sighs> Whatever the case may be, the Lakers are screwed, potentially. We'll see. Hopefully, LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to do something this year besides be hurt. And hopefully, Russell Westbrook is better than uh, what he was last year because, yikes, he was not very good. Brooklyn has their three stars. Again, Ben Simmons, Kyrie, Kevin... I'm kind of out on the Celtics. I'm like, not the Celtics, the Nets. But we'll see. We'll see. Can Golden State win again? That's such an interesting storyline coming out of the NBA. Just like, can, like, I don't know. I don't think there was enough that was done to like, for Golden. Like, I don't know if there's enough in the West unless I'm missing somebody. I don't know if there's enough that was done for like Golden State to not win, you know? Just like, who's there? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. <sighs> Goodness gracious. A lot of stuff to talk about. Finally, by the way, one of the things that I got super distracted by was... What is it? Sarah Michael 
Sarah Michelle, excuse me, Geller and Freddie Pinch Jr. celebrate their 20th wedding anniversary, I think. If you don't know who they were or are, oh my God, they're super awesome actor. Uh, they're, they're a super awesome couple, super awesome actor and actress that starred on the infamous live action Scooby-Doo television series, which was and is mwah, a chef's kiss. I refuse. I refuse to uh, to accept anything different. Chef's kiss to the I, Isla Fisher. I I can I keep forgetting that Isla Fisher or Isla Fisher or however you you say his name Isla Fisher. She was on that movie series. If you don't know who she was or is. Uh, she is the wife of the fantastic Sasha Baron Cohen, and she has been in some pretty fantastic movies as well, but none so as awesome as the Scooby-Doo movies. She was Mary Jane. I was like, she probably dyed her hair for it. I got it. No fucking way. She looks so different. Oh, my God. Just like she had blonde, curly hair. I was like, in Unbelievable. Unbelievable that she looked like that. Oh my god, dude! I oh my god, I cannot believe that's I. I cannot believe that that's her. Oh my god, she looks so different. She has blonde curly hair instead of like red straight hair. I have no, no fucking idea how she looks like this at all whatsoever. I mean, I borderline refuse to even believe that that is her. I, I cannot believe that's Isla or Isla F Fisher. She looks so different. She almost looks like a completely different human being just by dyeing her hair and having it in cur and, and having it be curly. Sorry, but um. Anyways, there is like an E Entertainment interview with essentially like this is such a cliche, but Daphne and Fred. Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Geller. By the way, she's awesome. She was Buffy the Vampire Vampire Slayer, by the way. If you don't know who she is, awesome. Awesome actress. In a fate that it like in just the clichéest thing ever, they like dated and married and have kids and then Freddie Prince Jr., shout out, like he became a stay-at-home dad while she fucking slayed it and killed it. I love them. I God, I love them so much. Oh my god, I wish that there was a third movie, but they're like 50. Sucks. I cannot believe I I'm I'm way more fascinated that Isla or Isla Fisher goodness gracious is is Mary Jane from the TV show from the from the fucking movie. How does that happen? I can't fucking believe it, dude. What the fuck? I I, I can't fucking believe it. Sorry, I'm just, my mind is fucking blown. Holy shit. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Anyways, uh, I just, my, my mind is that of a gerbil. I get distracted incredibly easy. Here are my game day picks. Final 20 to 30, maybe hour of the podcast. I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but we'll get through it. Don't worry, we'll get through it. Last week, my game picks went 
as well as it did week one. Which is to say it didn't go well at all. I was 50%. I was 8-8 eight and eight both weeks. Trying to shoot for 70%. I'm 20% down. I'm 20 points down. My average, it fluctuates. Like sometimes I'm... I'm, I'm all the way up. I'm like shooting for 80%. I'm, I, I've never had a perfect weekend. I don't really want a perfect weekend. Perfection is a myth. It's a blur. It is a mirage. Do not shoot for perfection. Shoot for greatness. But I have had significantly better starts to my regular season predictions. And you know what? I felt great about this year. I felt phenomenal. First year I started this, I was like 13 and 3. This year, it's like I'm, it's like I'm fucking, uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm 8 and 8 two weeks in a row. It's ridiculous. I'm like, can I get a winning record? And you know what? It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm not putting it on myself. It's the Browns' fault. It's the Browns' fault. They fucking sucked it up for me last week. It's the Panthers' fault who fucking sucked it up for me as well. Goodness gracious. They both lost. And like two late, late drives. The Raiders lost against the Cardinals on a late drive as well. I was like, oh my God, just give me a break. But once again, third week week in a row, I have accurately predicted Thursday night football. Steelers at Browns. I picked the Browns over the Steelers. Sometimes, like maybe I should, maybe I should just lose the Thursday game because it could be a bad omen. I don't know. I'm not really a superstitious guy, but it's just like it is absurd that every single time I feel good about myself going into the week, I feel great. I'm like Thursday night. I'm I'm on one. I'm on one, and then Sunday comes around and I'm depressed. Except for last week because the Cowboys actually played well. I'm like, yes, go Cowboys, go Cowboys. I was very excited when the Cowboys won, even though I was wrong. I picked the Bengals because I was like, there's no way they're going to beat Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon. And God help us all. Zach Taylor found a way. He found a way to lose with all those football players. But this weekend, as I said early on in the podcast, almost an hour ago, I know. Let me refresh you if you don't remember. I said, this is an important week. For all teams involved, we're getting close to a fourth of the season done, over with. Sayonara, see you later. Almost done with a fourth. Almost done with a fourth of the season. Next week will be the fourth, but we're getting into the final bit of September, final week of September. Records are going to start counting, not just for individual in division matchups. Excuse me, I keep saying individual, in division matchups, but also for the top-ranked seeds and the playoff seeds and the playoffs as well. This isn't necessarily when teams fold and really start to pick up steam. It's really around November, so we still got about a month left. But this is when teams can really start building up leads if they have favorable matchups. They have, like, good matchups, depending on where and when. It's like, you really have to start winning games around November, December. So you got, like, an additional two to three months left. Really two, two months, two and a half months left. If you're behind to start winning games, you know, you have to go on a really, really big hot streak. 
But you can, you know, it's possible. But November, December, that's when you got to start winning games. But here it's where the one seeds start to emerge, and really the worst teams start to emerge as well. It's just like they just start going on losing streaks over and over and over again. But I'll talk about the big boy games with the big implications. One of those being Bills and the Dolphins. Look, the Bills have, I mean, they have put their stamp on the NFL. They beat the Rams in Los Angeles. They came back to Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go. Do you know that song? I know that song. You probably don't know that song because everybody just that reports on the Bills is like, the Bills fans are crazy. Did you know they have their own theme song? Let me show you. Here it is. Here it is. This is a song that they play in their stadium and that everybody from Buffalo knows. Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. But come on now, the bills are making it happen now. Stand up now, come on and shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say you will. Shout it right now, baby. Say you will. Come on, come on. Say you will. Come on and shout. Say you will. Yeah. Shout. Buffalo's happening now. Shout. We're on the move. If you ever want to befriend a Buffalo Bills fan, just start singing that song. They all know it. Everybody knows it. <clears throat> but, so the Bills, Buffalo, absolute hop streak, absolute terror. Everybody was singing, let's go Buffalo, let's go Buffalo. Everybody was singing that song. Everybody was juiced up, excited. And they destroyed the fucking Titans. What was the score? 41 to Jesus Christ. 41-7. Absolute joke for the Titans. Bills absolutely destroyed them. Josh Allen has been phenomenal. I don't think he's throwing... Oh, no, he's throwing like two or three interceptions. I was about to say he hasn't thrown an interception. He has. It's just... I completely forgot because of how much of a... Just a, a curb-stomping the Bills games have been. They look like one of the best teams in the NFL. They look like one of the best teams in the, NF, in the AFC. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't mind being wrong about this because I think the game, I think the matchup is really interesting and maybe I'm just looking at it with Tua had played awesome last week against the Ravens. I don't know. I don't know, man. Let me just check the Dolphins here. Let me just like, I mean, the, the logical answer is go with the Bills. The Bills have been awesome, but it's just like, I mean, Tua has been really, really good so far this season. He's done everything that he needs to do to win. He has helped out against the Ravens. He helped beat the Patriots. I remember like, uh, what was it? Like the Around the NFL podcast was like, 
Tua didn't play that well against the Patriots, or the Patriots are the only team that can stop the Ravens, or excuse me, the uh, the Dolphins. And it's just like, did you, did you, did you watch the game? The game was over with, like by halftime. They were down. They were up by three scores. What? It was seventeen to zero by halftime. They scored a touchdown, and then the freaking Dolphins they scored another three points. It didn't matter. They won the game. By halftime. It was a joke a little bit. But the reason why I'm picking the Dolphins to beat the Bills, and I'm going to take a short break after because I have to use the restroom. But the reason why I'm picking the, the Dolphins over the Bills, quite simply put, because the Dolphins have just way too much firepower, and I've never been super, like, juiced up, jazzed about the, uh, the Bills' defense. Never been. I've. No, I don't know how they're going to play them. I don't know if they're just going to say, "Look, we're we're going to cover deep. We're going to play off coverage." You know what? Let me take a bathroom break. Let me just let me just take one, and I'll put on the Bills game against the Titans, and I'll see how they played up against the Titans. And in fact, I have both games. I can just like kind of tune in and check out both games. I'll be back in a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty four podcast.
I'm back after a very, very short, really not a short break. It was for like three minutes. I'm back. <clears throat> Before I left off the podcast, I was like, I'm super curious to see how the Bills are going to play up against the Dolphins this weekend because I think, I mean, it's a, it's a very important game. And I'm just curious to see how they're going to attack into... Oh, God, I may have deleted the game. <laughs> Did I delete it? I don't... No, it's, it's still there. Did I delete... I don't, I don't know. It didn't pop up in my recent, so I don't know. I stopped the game. I stopped watching it when both teams had waved the proverbial white flag and was just like, yeah, uh... The Bills are going to win the game. I was about to say we give up, but really it was the Bills that were like, you want to you wanna continue this? And then the Titans were like, yeah, we'll pass. I'm like, I'm, hold on, I'm fast-forwarding through the first Bills drive where they essentially go down the football field, score a touchdown. Did the Titans do the same? Did they just, like, walk the dog? Yeah, they did. They scored on their first drive. It was looking like it was potentially going to be an interesting game until the... The Bills just like continuously walked the proverbial dog against the Tennessee Titans, and the Tennessee Di- Titans couldn't retaliate. The Tennessee Titans defense is abhorrently bad. Also, it's kind of hard to decipher because the Bills they also played a not the not the Bills the Titans. They have Derrick Henry, and everybody knows they just want to run the shit out of the ball. I'm seeing if they're like in press coverage. I mean, it kind of depends. I'm like, I'm watching one play on play action where it's a bunched concept, so everybody has to be off. You're not going to ever play on in a bunched concept. So I'm just like, I'm just like getting the vibe here. The reason why I'm interested in, in coverages is because the coverage for the Bills it will be paramount against the Tennessee Titans because they obviously don't have the personnel to cover Tyreek Hill and... Jalen Waddle. I mean, they may not have the ability to cover one of them, let alone both of them, and the tight end Mike Gusecki. Like, it's a problem. And if you're the Bills, and if you're just like, yeah, like we're just gonna rely on Rousseau and AJ Epinesa, I think Von Miller is an equal is a like the great equalizer. I think he's a really interesting football player. But I mean, you may just have to contain Vaughn, you know? And even though they do have Von Miller, don't forget that the Dolphins, they have one of the best left tackles in the NFL in Teron Armstead. So it's just like, I don't, I don't really know. Hold on. Eh, it depends. It looks like they're playing like zone. It looks like they're playing zone. Or is it man? Let me do this. No, it's man. Okay. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, okay, uh, that's not good. I'm like, oh, they're playing man coverage against the, uh, the Titans? I'm like, I hope they, uh, they start playing zone against the, uh, the Dolphins. Regardless, Dolphins versus Titans this weekend obviously has in-division implications. Bills and Dolphins play in the exact same division, the AFC East. They're both 2-0. They're both leading the pack. They're both leading their division. And they both have firepower offenses. The, the main difference about the Dolphins versus the Bills 
is that the Dolphins, they have corners. They have some of the best corners in the NFL. They have Byron Jones and they have Xavier Howard. They're one of the better secondaries in the NFL, really one of the best. They have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, and they have one of the best safeties in the NFL in Javon Holland. They got players, man. They got players. I'm watching another series. I'm watching the second series after it's all tied up 7-7, and they're still in man, so that's not good. The Bills like to play man, which is not good at all. And the Dolphins are like, you guys like to play man? I'm like, okay. It will be such an interesting matchup because I talked about this, not this weekend, but on Monday or Tuesday. I said, I like Mike McDaniel as a head coach. I like the way that he coaches. I like the way that he talks to his players. I like the way that he talks to the media. I like how he's beaten two of the best head coaches in the NFL in the last two weeks. And this weekend, in my opinion, he goes up against a lesser defensive-minded coach in Leslie Frazier. And it's just like, if they roll out this coverage that I am watching on television right now against the Tennessee Titans, they will lose. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. Like, because Mike McDaniel is like, you guys, you guys are going to play zone? Excuse me, you guys are going to play man against us? Okay. All right. I just want to watch one more snap here of the game. Derrick Henry is off the field. It's like third down. Are they, they, cannot, they cannot be in, in man on third and 15. Are they in man? I think they, they're on... They're in man. Oh my God. The Bills on third and 15 are in man coverage. Oh no, they're in zone. It looks like man. I was like, they, they shifted over their outside receiver to be in a bunch concept. So I was, I was just like, when he shifted, another guy shifted and I was just like, is this man? And then the guy that was shifting was lined up over one guy, but it just looked like, man, I was just like, no way. And you want to know the dumb thing? They, they were in a zone scheme, and the Titans were able to get the first down on a zone scheme. They had like, I don't know if that's a corner or a linebacker. I don't know what was going on. Is it man or is it zone? I'm confused. Let me, let me check this. Let me check this tang out. Hold on. Let me check it out. There's no way. I can't see what's going on on the other end. I don't know. To me, it's ridiculous that they even get the first down. Hold on. Let me check this tang out. Like, now I'm just re-watching parts of the game. I'm like, I'm so annoyed that the Titans are like, we're just going to run it on first down again and again and again. We'll talk about the Titans here afterwards but it's now at second and 11 don't run it again please don't run it. it's play action it's predictable it's a screenplay they blow it up okay i've seen enough so i'm like okay i've seen enough what did they do against the rams exactly i know i'm like <clears throat> i'm like just looking all this stuff up i th i think that this is fascinating is this it no this is not it i'm trying to find the rams and the Bills, week one, like a lot of football games that I have to like scroll through to find it. I apologize. Did I delete it? I think I did. Uh, God, that sucks. 
It looks like they're playing zone against the Titans, though. Which is not good. Not good at all. Regardless of whether or not they play zone or man, I still think the uh, the Bills are going to struggle with the Dolphins. What's going to be fascinating for me is Josh Allen's relationship with Stephon Diggs. Because I feel like, and I've said this over the last couple of weeks, I'm like, the Bills, week one against the Rams, they moved him all across the area. You know what I loved about what Dallas did against the Bengals? They just said, fuck it. We're just, fuck it. Fuck it. Go, go get him. Micah, we're not even going to put you out linebacker. We're not even going to pretend. Micah, you're now a defensive lineman, and you are supposed to go after the pass, the uh, the quarterback, excuse me. And that's what he did for, like, four straight quarters. He started to slow down, but at that point, the damage was done. Like, it's just like, if you're not going to win the game, you're not going to win the game. Micah's done his job. Dallas was just like, we're just going to put him against weak matchups, and we're just going to find him, and we're just not going to ruin his flow, his momentum, his game, over, like, a scheme thing. I'm like, just fuck your scheme. Your player is popping off. You're like, if your scheme does not allow the player to have success, your scheme is shitty. Is shitty, excuse me. Your best player to have success, who's impacting the game the most. Your game, your your scheme is shitty. I don't know what to tell you. Let me unplug my computer. Hold on. But what I've seen across the Bills is that they're like they are in favor of their scheme. They're like Josh Allen. He's having a day. He's having a ball. He only misses like three or four balls. Or maybe, how many balls did he miss against uh, the Rams week one? It wasn't a lot. He was thrown for almost 70%. Something like that. Let me, uh, let me pull it up here. Josh Allen missed five passes. And by missed, uh, let me clarify. He had five incompletions. So he just, he didn't complete five passes out of 32, which is out of 31, excuse me, which is extraordinarily rare. It's like he almost broke the single the uh, the single game record of like completion percentage that was set by Drew Brees like three maybe four years ago. That is insane how high his completion percentage was two weeks ago, and they almost ruined his game. In the case of the Bills, they love killing him. They love freaking stopping his momentum and doing all this other stuff and. It, it hasn't cost them significantly because of how poorly the team, the opposition has played and just how dominant Josh Allen has been. They love to try to establish the run to try and offset that because their running game is terrible, but it is what it is. The Bills, I, I don't think they are, like, I, I, this may be a little bit presumptuous and a little bit premature, but I don't necessarily think that the Bills coaching staff matches up well with the Dolphins. I think that the Dolphins have a lot of players that can nullify what the Bills do well in Stephon Diggs with Javon Holland, the safety, and Xavier Howard, the corner, who's one of the best corners in the NFL. I think they can nullify what the Bills do very well and potentially slow down Stephon Diggs, as well as take advantage of what the Bills don't do very well, as we just as I just saw. I saw like two series, and I was just like, they're playing man against the uh, the Titans. Maybe they don't play man. Maybe they play zone. We'll see. But if they play man against Tyreek Hill, Tyreek, Tyreek even talked a little bit of shit. Tyreek Hill was just like, I've been cooking these guys for the last two fucking years. What do you think is going to happen this Sunday? He talked a little bit of shit. And then he's like, I got Jalen Waddle now. And they got Gusecki. It's, it is going to be a very interesting game this Sunday. And this should really be a primetime game. 
Unfortunately, it's a one o'clock game. I was like, do I have it? Do I have it? No, I don't. What game am I going to be watching instead? It's not going to be as good as the Bills versus the, the Dolphins. This should be like a nationally televised football game. NFL football. Unfortunately, it's not. Ooh, is this? Ooh. We're not going to get the Bills and the Dolphins, but I will get Kansas City at Colts. Ooh la la. I'm very excited for that one. Cannot wait. More so, specifically, I'm excited for the ass whooping that the Chiefs are going to put down against the uh, the Colts. But Bills at Dolphins, long to make a long story short, I'm taking the uh, the Dolphins over the Bills. A little bit of a risk. And um, really, I, I don't feel great about that, but I also don't necessarily great the other way. I don't feel great about the If the Bills, if they come out of this game with a win, and if it's like one of their other wins, I'm going to be like, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're a deep Super Bowl contender. I think that's been obvious for the last couple of weeks, but it's going to be so interesting to see how they play against the Dolphins. Because I think the Dolphins, to a large degree, to a large extent, excuse me, I think are like a lesser version of the Chiefs. Like they have a lot of firepower. They have a lot of explosion in their offense. They have good coaching offensively. We'll see what happens. For well, They've had good coaching up until this moment. Let me clarify. They've had good coaching up until this moment. I'm very curious to see if they can extend that streak of good coaching, explosive plays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, against one of the best teams in the NFL. We'll see. Bills out Dolphins. I'm taking the Dolphins. I will try not to spend almost 30 minutes on every single game, but it happens. Bengals at Jets is, to me, a super obvious game. Uh, the Bengals should win this game. I mean, they should, really should have won the last two games. Here's the thing, though. I don't think uh, the Jets have TJ Watt or Micah Parsons, so that should help when it comes to pass protection. And um, I think Robert Salah is a worse coach than Zach Taylor, so... I mean, this game, man, I get it. Like, notice how they have, notice how everybody was like, Sauce Gardner, Sauce Gardner. He's, Sauce Gardner. Like, they wouldn't shut up, and then it's just like nobody's talked about him in the regular season. Because he's a rookie. He's a rookie. I, okay. But he's a rookie cornerback. So it's an extraordinarily difficult position to play in the NFL. But, okay, let's say... Ahmad Gardner plays well against Jamar Chase, but they also have a really awesome running game with really awesome uh, wide receivers as well. Like the Bengals, they're loaded. They're loaded. I don't think that's anything that needs to be said. They're a loaded football team. They should have won the last three, two games. They should win this weekend. I am going to be extra ordinarily annoyed if they don't. We will see what happens. They should win. We'll see what happens. God help us if the Bengals don't win against the Jets. If they don't win against the fucking Jets, we got fucking problems. Holy fucking shit. We got, we got fucking problems if they can't beat the Jets. Who have nothing. Everybody's like, the Jets had an awesome game. You know what? It's going to be really, really interesting to see Robert Sala's reaction to him getting his butt whooped by the Bengals on Sunday. I cannot wait to see. Because he, again, I said, don't count your chickens. I didn't say it like this, but I said, I'm paraphrasing. And even rephrasing a little bit. But I, I essentially said along the lines like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Robert Sala was talking a lot of shit about people that were doubting the Jets. He was just like, 
you know, I'm, I'm keeping receipts and I'm like, bro, you almost lost against the fucking Browns. And really, you should have lost. If the Browns weren't so fucking stupid, you should have lost and you would have lost. But the Browns are fucking stupid. So you didn't win. So they didn't win. You should have lost. You should be 0-2 right now. You should be 0-2. And, and like a bad 0-2 at that. Like, holy shit, it's your third year and you don't even look close granted Zach Wilson is hurt again but still you don't look close uh Bengals over Jets I am going to be looking at the Bengals really really hard if they lose against the Jets this weekend or Raiders at Titans Raiders are such an interesting football team they could have and should have beaten the Cardinals but they choked it out because of Josh McDaniels everybody's on the oh my god why did the Raiders hire another Patriot executive again? Why did they hire a Raider, not a Raider, a Patriot executive when it was and is very obvious that you should not be hiring Patriot executives or coaches, excuse me. And they did. They hired both a Patriot executive, the GM for the Raiders and the head coach uh, and a assistant coach from the Patriots and Josh McDaniels, the OC for like 10 years. He was an awesome offensive coordinator. He's great. Uh, with Brady and even with Cam Newton, I think he's going to make a great offensive coordinator, but he's not a head coach. And I don't even know if he can be an offensive coordinator outside of New England, if you want my honest opinion about it. He jumped ship. He went to a team that is better structured, but they still don't have an offensive line. They have one of the best, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL. They have a good quarterback, but their offensive line is still shitty. And Josh McDaniels, like, he's not a very good head coach. And look, I, this isn't me picking a coach, like which coach I think is better. This is just me picking which team do I think is better. In my opinion, I think the Raiders' overall team is better than the Titans. I think Mike Vrabel is a bit of a joke of a head coach. He reminds me of Jason Garrett. He really does. He reminds me of like a slightly better version or a slightly worse version of Jason Garrett, where I'm just like, I don't know how he went to like, I don't know how he beat Baltimore. Oh, I do. He had essentially one of the best running backs of the last 20 years in Derrick Henry. That's how. And essentially, they just said, run the football, run the football, run the football. There was nothing really clever about their runs. They just said, he's big. They said, Derrick Henry is big. He's strong. He's fast. He's violent. Da-da-da-da-da. We can get away with having a very simplistic scheme. Excuse me. But... The Titans, to me, and the Raiders are two very similar teams. But I think the better overall team is the Raiders. And I just... If the Raiders lose on Sunday, going down 0-3, I am going to blow a gasket. If they go 0-3, when they should really potentially be like 2-1... and or 3-0, I am going to fucking be so pissed off. So pissed off. If they, if they lose to the Titans, who cannot run the football, who have lost Taylor Lewan, who do not want to throw the football, who Ryan Tannehill for the second year in a row has not played very good, who their defense is very easy to exploit, I'm going to be overly pissed off and I made and I, hell I may just get started at one o'clock on Sunday I mean it's gonna be like some of the most important games of the day 
Bills at Dolphins, Raiders at Titans, all at one o'clock. I may just busy. I, I just may enter into the podcast pissed off. We'll see. We'll see. Raiders over Titans, though, overly, overly pissed off if the Raiders lose on Sunday. Oh, my God. I'm already annoyed at the thought of the Raiders dropping against the Titans. No excuses. Stop Derrick Henry. Throw the pass. Throw the ball to Devontae Adams. They have no corners that can cover him. And then just win. Win. It's, it's not that difficult, Josh. It's really not. Saints at Panthers. A report came out from an independent source, independent media company, that said Matt Rule could potentially be fired as early as next week if things don't start going his way. So he could potentially be going down 0-3 this weekend and potentially give Jake Tapper all the ammunition that he needs to fire him next week. Do I think that that happens? I don't know. I'm not a big believer in guys and gals that I don't know. And I don't necessarily know this, this person. I just know that they're an independent company. So they said he could be fired by next week. I didn't really vet it. I didn't really see if anybody else said it. I mean, the vetting just made sure that it was like an, a legitimate source. Like this isn't like, a, uh, like, like just somebody who's like trolling or whatever. But I'm like, is this a legit, is somebody who actually like is a real person said this? Yes, this is a real person. Yes, it's a real, like, source. I don't know, though, because I don't know how reliable they are as a source. But that is what I've heard. Rumor is, Matt Rule could be fired next week. Now, problem is, Matt Rule could put to, is in a really, really bad matchup against the Saints, okay? Awesome offensive line. I don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to play. I don't really think that that matters, Baker Mayfield is a joke. I don't want to hear anyone else tell me different. Yeah, CJ Moore. He had Odell. He had Jarvis Landry. He had Big Chubb, Nick Chubb. He had Kareem Hunt. He had all these guys. Don't talk to me about the status of his offensive line or his wide receiving core. He had an awesome, he had awesome wide receivers, running backs, and offensive linemen when he was at Cleveland, and he stunk up the joint then. And he's stinking it up it now. The Panthers obviously have worse offensive lineman, and obviously have a worse running back core. Really? The Panthers could have run the foot, could have ran, not ran, could have won the game if they had ran the football more. That's the reality of the situation. But instead, the Giants, not the Giants, but the Panthers, they were like, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, and I said this in the preseason, and I was worried about Baker Mayfield in the preseason. I was like, he doesn't seem to have the rapport with DJ Moore as he needs to be. I was about to say as I thought he would, but as he needs to be. It's ironic. It's like he doesn't have rapport with his number one wide receivers in Odell and DJ Moore, but for some weird reason, he can find his number two guys like Jarvis Landry and Robbie Anderson. Obviously, DJ Moore one of the top wide receivers in the NFL, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He has had a thousand, two, he has had, not two, he has had consistently a thousand yard seasons for the majority of his, of his career. This may be his first season since, as I scroll through his statistics, his first season since 2000, 
2018. That's four years ago. 2018. Where he doesn't go for over 1,000 yards. He has six receptions, 86 yards. If I am anybody that, if I'm Dallas, if I'm Dallas, I'm getting on the phone. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, 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 I'm calling up the Panthers. I'm like, you want a third round pick for DJ Moore? You want a third round pick for DJ Moore? It's a joke. He can't find DJ Moore. Funny enough, DJ Moore is productive. He's getting 14.3 yards per catch. It's great. The problem is he's only getting three receptions. He has six receptions in two games. Six. Doesn't even have 100 yards. I'm making a phone call if I'm a team who needs a wide receiver. Everybody needs a wide receiver. I am making a phone call if I need a wide receiver. I'm making a phone call. Just what I'm doing. But the Panthers, they're a joke. Um, they're going to host the Saints. Potentially, this could be the nail in the coffin format rule and uh, company there. Jake Tapper seems to have, uh, have had enough of his shenanigans. And we will see what happens after the Panthers lose to the Saints. I'm predicting that's what's going to happen on Sunday. Panthers lose to the Saints in divisional game. Saints are what? One and one? Yeah. After the loss to Tampa Bay? Or are they 0 and 2? I don't think it matters. They're 1 and 1. I don't think it matters. I don't think they're a playoff team. But still, Saints could potentially, Panthers could potentially lose their head coach after this weekend. Ravens at Patriots. Obviously, the Ravens, the Patriots, they just, no. They, they, can't, they cannot stop what Lamar Jackson does as a runner, and they certainly cannot stop what he does as a passer because they have found a guy, they found a better guy already in year two. Already, Rashad Bateman, to me, is better than Hollywood Brown. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. He's a better route runner. He has great hands. He doesn't get on tilt a lot. He seems like a very stable weapon for Lamar exactly what Lamar's needed. Somebody who can get short, who can get open, short, intermediate, and deep. Block for them if they need to. He's a Baltimore Ravens wide receiver. They found their guy. They found him. Just like, this is going to be the guy that Lamar Jackson plays with for the next 10 years, as well as Mark Andrews. Pay, pay Rashad Bateman some money. Pay Mark Andrews some money. Give Lamar Jackson some money. After the season is over with, of course. I, just, I don't think that the, this is a, such a bad matchup for the Patriots. I don't think they have the offensive line to counteract the Ravens' defensive line. They don't have the weapons to be able to attack the Ravens' secondary, which I know everybody's like, oh my God, they got beaten up by. But they have two of the best corners in the NFL, and they just their scheme wasn't good enough against, the, uh, against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. I don't think the Patriots have the weapons to be able to beat up and attack into the Ravens. Ravens over Patriots. Lions at Vikings, considering that this is when everybody's expectations of Kirk Cousins falls off a cliff, that they are exponentially lower than what they should be, that this isn't a primetime game, and that this is going to be, yet again, a home game for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to take the Vikings over the Lions. It's going to take them over the Lions straight up. Kirk Cousins always does terribly when it's a Monday night football game. He always plays poorly any, in any and all primetime games for the most part, except for like one or two out of like almost 20. It's like everybody's like, he's beaten the, he's beaten the curse. He's, 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 he can win in primetime games. And he does it one time out of like 20. And it's just like, that doesn't count. Like he's done it once out of 20. No, he is not over that stigma. 
The Lions, they don't have really anyone in their secondary to stop the Vikings. I think the Vikings go up 2-1 over the Lions. If the Vikings lose to the Lions, we got some problems. We got some problems. It's funny. It's like some of these coaches that got hired this offseason, like Josh McDaniels for the Raiders and Kevin O'Connell. I wasn't sure about Kevin O'Connell. I was like, oh, he looks like a real coach after the Green Bay game. He destroyed Green Bay. And then afterward, he just is completely and utterly unprepared against the Eagles. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get how the Vikings can go from beating the shit out of the Green Bay to getting the shit beaten out of them by the Eagles. But, hey. Okay. All right. Eagles at Commanders. I'm taking the Eagles over the Commanders. This is a hard game. I don't think Jalen is... I don't think Jalen is a representative of what he put on at Monday, at Monday night. I think the Vikings just collectively played a shitty game. And Carson has been explosive. Should I change it? No. I'm not going to change it. Carson has been explosive. Like, he beat up on the Jags. I don't know, man. I'm going to go with the safe pick. I'm going to still go with the Eagles. But it's like Carson Wentz, he beat up on the Jags. His, you know, being coached by his former head coach, Doug Peterson. Played really well there. Like, he played pretty decently well against, you know, the Lions, all things considered. It's just like, hmm. Should I roll with Carson and the Commanders? No, like, no, 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 no. I don't think Darius Slay is like, I don't think he is as reflective of his statistics. Like, I don't think he's a one interception, multiple pass broken up type of type of a guy, but that's what we have. So it is what it is. But Eagles over Commanders Sunday at one o'clock. I just, I don't think the Eagles defense is that good, to be honest with you. They got shredded by the Lions week one. And I also don't like their scheme. Like, even the Eagles fans are like, we don't like the scheme, but we like what the Eagles defense did on Monday against the Vikings. So, it's going to be an interesting game. But, I mean, when, when is the, the Eagles' next great test? Oh, they go up against Arizona, and then they go up against the Cowboys. Ooh la la. That is a very interesting schedule. But for right now, I'm taking the Eagles over the Commanders. Chiefs against the Colts. I remember somebody saying that the Colts can like have a bounce back game against the Chiefs and the Chiefs will like, no, no, the Chiefs have been systemically one of the best teams in the NFL. The Colts still do not have Shaq Leonard. The Colts still, I don't know what's going on with Matt Ryan. We'll see what happens. The Chiefs have essentially been the best, if not the second best team in the entirety of the NFL. I don't see it with the Colts. I don't see how the Colts can beat them. I don't know how they can stop Patrick. I don't know how they can stop their receivers. And the book is out. Like, I don't know what happened to Jonathan Taylor. Like, it happened fast with him. Like, he was just like, I am categorically in the same, like, tier as as Derrick Henry. And then it's just like, he's been meh. Oh, no, he's been, he's been all right. Has he? Wait, what? Oh no, he's no, he's been he's been great. My bad. He's he's just it hasn't contributed to them winning. Like his significant yards per carry hasn't 
contributed to them winning. I'm wrong on that. Like he had 161 yards against the Texans and then 54 on nine, uh, on nine attempts for six yards per carry. Just like he was awesome. Those two games. Never mind. My bad. My bad. I retract that. It was just like more, more likely than not, Jonathan Taylor hasn't been like an effective runner in the sense, maybe, maybe not effective because he has gotten a lot of yards, but his running has not contributed to them winning, which it did last year. That's what I'm trying to get across is that it hasn't, it hasn't. Now, whether or not that is because they aren't running it early enough or often enough, I'm not really sure. I'm going to find out on Sunday, but I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Colts regardless. Texans at Bears. Bears fans are like, oh my God, Lovey Smith is coming back to town and we're going to beat the crap out of him. Texans over Bears. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. I don't know how they do it. I don't know where they do it. I don't get it. Texans over the Bears. Texans have been playing above their weight class for the last two weeks. They went up and almost beat the Broncos in Denver. They went up against the uh, week one against the Colts, almost beat the Colts. They're 0-1-1. They really should probably be 1-1 to potentially 2-0 with like two good wins on the resume. It's insane how close the Texans have been uh, in a lot of these games where they really shouldn't. But, however, they go up against easily the worst team that they are going to go up against in this three-week stretch, the Bears, who are god-awful and who will give them a free win. After Justin, I was about to say Jefferson, but Justin Fields and the Bears are coming off of a horrendous loss against the uh, against the Green Bay Packers where they couldn't stop the run to save their life. I think Davis Mills at this point is probably better than Justin, and I don't know what the Bears are going to do with Justin. Everybody's going to be like, Justin Fields can't play well. I'm so excited for this game because it's literally going to come on. Uh, at uh, at one, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get so many awesome games. I'm gonna get Eagles at Commanders. I'm gonna get Bears versus the Texans. I'm gonna get Raiders versus Titans and Bills versus Dolphins. I'm gonna I'm gonna get all the good games. Woo! One o'clock. Like sometimes you're like, man, there's not a, there's not one game that's gonna be interesting at one o'clock, and then there's like seven. Like almost all the games that, I mean, I don't know if there's seven games, but like almost all the games at one o'clock are just so interesting. So many interesting storylines. Even the butt whooping out will be the Saints and the Panthers. is so interesting because it's just like, does, does Matt Rule get fired? I don't really know. Let's find out. Let's find out on Sunday. Jags at Chargers. I'm picking the Jags. I'm going with the Jags. Why am I going with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Justin Herbert may not play. He may not. And I feel like this is one of those weeks where they're going to try and get him ready. And he's, he's you know, he's going to play. But Brandon Staley's probably been like, you know, like, we're going we're gonna to get him out there. We're going to have him do stuff. There's been conflicting reports of people saying that he's practiced, but then he also hasn't practiced. And, like, I don't know. I don't think he's practiced. Or maybe not I don't think he's practiced, but I don't think he's going to play. There's been re- conflicting reports all over the place. I don't think he's going to play. And more importantly, 
I don't fucking think he should play. It's like if he's hurt and you're going up against Trevon Walker in the pass rush of the Jacks, I don't think he should play. If he can't throw the football, and I saw some of those snaps at the end of the game, they are downplaying his rib injury. They are downplaying it. He did not have the ability to throw. And I don't know if it's bruised ribs or cracked ribs or whatever. It was affecting his ability to throw. They're going to say all the right things. They're going to say, no, he can throw, da-da-da-da-da. To me, he cannot throw whatsoever. He can't. From what I saw, final minutes of that game, he couldn't throw. So to me, after Trevor Lawrence played awesome against the Colts last night, uh, not last night, but last week, I'm picking the Jags over the, over the Chargers. I'm like, I could still be wrong about Justin Herbert. I don't think I am. I don't think he'll play, and he really should not play. Who do they play against next week? They play up against the Chargers. Play him during that game. Not the Chargers, the Texans. They play against the Texans. I think the Chargers are a superior football team than the Texans. We will see, but play them against the Texans. Don't play them against the, the, uh, the Jags with their superior pass rush. Play them against the, uh, the Texans. Unless you're trying to get your quarterback killed. They rushed J.C. Jackson back last week. He didn't play very well, and I was just like, if, if J.C.'s not ready to play, don't play him. They tried to rush him back against Kansas City. They lost. J.C. Jackson wasn't very good. Now he's back on like on uh, the injury report or whatever. Brandon Staley is a bit of a disaster his first two years. His first two years. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm taking the Jags over the Chargers. It's going to be such an interesting game because then the Jags are going to be, I think, 3-0 or 2-1. They're going to be 2-1 and and they're going to lead their division. Potentially. Or they're going to be tied with the Texans to lead their division. Ironically enough, the two teams that should be in the top spot for their division, the Titans and the Colts, I think they're winless. I think they are. Yeah, they are. Jags and the Texans, potentially after week three, if I'm right, going to be tied 2-1, first place, while the fucking Colts and the Titans piss it all away once again. We'll see what happens. Rams versus Cardinals. This, it's, it's, it's to me an easy game. Easy game. Rams over Cardinals. The Raiders choked the game. They choked it. Choked it. But I don't think the Rams will choke that game against the Cardinals. It's going to be an important game. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be imperative to how that division shapes out and shapes up. Just because of the Cardinals and the Rams obviously being in the same division, but also this division is quote-unquote the best division in all of football. Rams have not played a great last two weeks. I'll say that. They haven't had a great first two weeks. Almost losing to Atlanta 
and almost losing to, or not even almost losing to the Bills, but just straight up getting their butts whipped by the Bills. It hasn't been a great two weeks for the Rams. And will it get better? I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not high on Matt Stafford's tendonitis. It's going to be such an interesting game. I feel like I should go with the Cardinals as like an upset. It's just so... Hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm like, I don't believe in Stafford. No, I don't. I don't believe in anybody on the tight, not the Titans, the Cardinals defense at all. I don't know who they got on defense. I don't know who they got on their secondary. I, I just don't know. Let me let me Google something really quickly. Let me Google two players. I'll tell you who the two players are. I'm Googling Zaven Collins, former linebacker at Tulsa. Big, big, big player for them, right? Last year, he didn't really play a whole lot. This year, like by play a whole lot, I mean this year he has over half of the amount of tackles in two weeks than he did have total tackles last year. He has 15 tackles right now. He had 25 last year. So in two weeks, he's done what he did in seven weeks. I'm trying to like find his snaps that he played. He played 67 snaps against Kansas City. They lost. And then he played 67. I mean, he's played in almost 100% of the snaps that the Cardinals have, uh, have had over the last couple of weeks. He's been awesome for them. But then apparently, as I heard like from somewhere, that apparently they benched Isaiah Simmons, who's one of the best, who was like one of the best prospects when he came out. I mean, yeah, they, they straight up benched him. They benched his ass. He played in 22% of the snaps last weekend. Just like, what? That shit doesn't make any fucking sense. What they're doing with their linebackers, what Arizona is doing with their linebackers is a travesty. I don't know what their plan is against the Rams. The Rams have Cooper Cup. The Rams have Aaron Donald. The Rams have Sean McVay. The Cardinals have Matt Stafford on a tendonitis so they can ex potentially exploit him. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I'm not really sure what's going to go on there. But the Rams against Cardinals, I think it's going the Rams way. A lot of questions surrounding both teams. I think none of them will be answered. Because I think that it's going to be week three, and I think they they have a I think they they're two playoff teams potentially. We'll see what happens. So, Green Bay at Buccaneers, one of the games where I was just like I was playing ping pong with myself. I was like I was going back and forth. I was like Green Bay, then Bucks, then Bucks, then Green Bay, then Bucks again, then Green Bay. It was a tough game. Let me kind of share with you my thought process. So. The main back and forth that I was having with myself was the wide receiving core with Tampa Bay. I was like, if you gave me Mike Evans, I'm like, oh, they're going to beat they're, they're going to beat the Packers. The Packers play a horrendous zone scheme that Tom Brady has probably seen a bajillion times that would be very very easy to exploit as Tom Brady always does. But then I was just like, well, mm, if Green Bay has pass rush, then that can potentially affect Tom Brady because Dallas kind of got to Tom Brady a little bit week one. But then I was like, well, they don't have Micah Parsons, so that's not realistic. I was just like, maybe Green Bay can stop Tom Brady. Or then I was just like, oh, yeah, they can. And then it's just like, well, it, like technically the Bucks can stop Aaron as well. They got Vita Vea. 
They got Devin White and Levante David. And long story short, I'm picking the Bucks. I'm picking the Bucks because I don't think Green Bay as I think what Green Bay wants to do, which is run the football, is exactly what Tampa Bay does well, which is stopping the run. And also being able to rush the pass and being able to blitz. I think Tom, and I hate rooting against Tom, and I hate picking against Tom, which is why I try to never do it. Unfortunately, I did it in week one. But, like, nope. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. But Tom, this is why I love Tom Brady. Tom always fucking finds a way to win. He always does. It's the Michael Jordan quote where he's just like, if I'm behind, I'll catch up. I'll, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. In the case of the Packers and the Bucks, Tom Brady will not have essentially any of his starting wide receivers outside of Russell Gage, who I think he likes. He likes Scotty Miller. He trusts Scotty Miller. He trusts Cameron Brait. He's got Jalen Darden. Cole Beasley is on the team, and he's a practice squad player. They need more wide receiver help because all of their wide receivers are fucking hurt. But Tom will fucking find a way to win. He'll find a way to win. He'll find a way to be successful. He'll find a way to pull it out against the Packers. And I think the Packers are going to try and run the shit out of the ball. And I think Tampa Bay knows that, and I think they're going to counteract that with, um, with trying to stop A.J. Dillon from popping off and Tom Brady doing his thing. I think Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes, I love both of them, but they both play in a scheme that does not benefit them at all in this like off coverage, like zone scheme and things of that nature. And I'm just like, well, okay, you want, you want Scotty Miller to ha- and, uh, and Russell Gage and all these route runners to start dinking and dunk. Like Tom Brady played in New England for over 10 fucking years where all he fucking did was just play, uh, play dink and dunk, dink doink against all of his opponents with... Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola and Chris Hogan and all these other boys. He's just like, you want to play dink doink? You want to play dink and dunk? I'll play dink doink. I'll play dink dunk all fucking day. And I think that's potentially what they're going to do against the, uh, the, the Packers. So we'll see what happens. Falcons at Seattle. It's one of the games that I didn't actually pick. On my uh, on my sheet that I have, let me just type in the team. I'm taking the Falcons. Taking the Falcons. Falcons have played, and this is a shitty game. I don't know why the NFL is like, I'm going to put this as like a mid-afternoon 4 o'clock game. I don't know why they did that. That was so dumb. But it is a mid-afternoon 4 o'clock game. It's pretty fucking shitty, and I don't want to watch it. Like, as much as their midday game, their early games, their 1 o'clock games... I've been awesome. Their midday games are kind of meh, to be honest with you. Like, one is the Rams versus the Cardinals, which, if the Rams were better, I feel like it would be a curb stomp. Packers at Bucks. I feel like if the Bucks had their players, if they had all of their weapons, I feel like that would be a curb stomp. And the Falcons versus Seattle is kind of a meh. It, it, not even a meh game. I feel sorry for anyone who has that game. That game fucking sucks. Falcons at Seattle. Taking, I'm taking the Falcons. Seattle has just been a mess. They really should have lost against the Broncos, but here we are. Falcons, um, the Falcons have played pretty well. Apparently, um, not Quiddy Pay, Kyle Pitts, for some weird reason, I thought his name was Quiddy Pay. Sorry for that. But Kyle Pitts has been asking for the ball this week. 
And um, I don't I don't know of anyone. Everybody's going to tell me that Quandre Diggs is like the safety that's going to cover Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm like, I doubt that. But we'll see what happens. But Seattle versus the Falcons. I'm taking the Falcons. Falcons are better. We'll see what happens. Or hopefully, the hope is that they will be better. Hopefully, Geno Smith will suck again like he sucked last year. Or last week against the 49ers. Speaking of which... 49ers at Broncos. Sunday night football. Prime time. It's a yikes. It's a yikes. Russell Wilson with Nathaniel Hackett has been nothing short of abominable. The Broncos have been a disaster and an embarrassment of a football team losing to the Seattle Seahawks week one on Monday night football and losing and almost losing to the Texans week two in Denver week three. They'll be back in Denver going up against the San Francisco 49ers at mile high. And look, you want my honest opinion about it? If the 49ers had played, if they had played, Jimmy Garoppolo week one against the Bears, they would have won. They play Trey Lance, and I get it, he's hurt, and I feel bad that he's hurt. To me, it doesn't, it doesn't make the truth any less different. If they had played Jimmy, Jimmy's better, Trey Lance isn't, Trey Lance is still developing. People had wanted Trey to play for like for reasons like he was the first over, he was their first round pick. They invested a lot in him. He's more athletic. They were trying to get rid of Jimmy, but Trey, not Trey. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan was like, look, bro, like I've seen this guy in practice. I know what he is. I know what he's not. He's not a top tier, uh, a top tier quarterback. He's terrible. He's not ready. That's what Kyle was probably thinking of. Not just when they drafted him, but when debates started to turn out and arise about should we play him? Should we not play him? Look, the Broncos are a worse team than the uh, than the Niners, and I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it's close. I think Nathaniel Hackett has really put their team in a really, really bad spot. And the fact that he was just like, I'm not going to concede the offensive play-calling duties after how horrific of a job he's done the last two weeks, to me, is a joke. He's been terrible. His team has been terrible. They have been unprepared which is your fucking job to do. Like, everybody's like, I want my coach to be a leader. I want my coach to be this. They want all of these, like, superficial dumb things that don't matter. It's just like, you want your coach to fucking win football games, okay? This is not high school. This is not college. You want your fucking coach to win football games. End of discussion, full stop. That's what you want your coach to do, win games. Nathaniel Hackett lost a game against Seattle and then almost lost a game against the terrible Texans. Maybe not the terrible Texans more specifically, but just the lackluster Texans. They have no players. And for some weird reason, they're able to play well. That's a sign of a good coach in Lovey Smith. But here I am with Nathaniel Hackett with his freaking foot in his mouth with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, a great wide receiving court, now without Jerry Judy. And you're like, well, we're going to go in and we're going to beat the 49ers who can probably coach circles around you with Kyle Shanahan. It's just like, yeah, right. You guys are going to be able to beat the Niners on Sunday night. I'm picking the Niners over the Broncos Sunday night football. Let me plug in my computer for the final time, and then we'll peace out. Talking about the Cowboys at Giants. 
And then we'll talk about if Mike Tomlin is going to be fired or not. Hold on. Forgot to talk about Mike Tomlin potentially being fired. It's like I led the podcast with that, and I was just like, I, I forgot. So, Cowboys at Giants. One of the most interesting football games of the weekend. With implications in the division. Dak Prescott being out. Michael Parsons being on an absolute heater. Just a phenomenal kind of like, with the Giants also being 2-0, by the way. Phenomenal storylines coming up. Washington Commanders, if they go down against the Eagles, that means that the Eagles have full control over the division outside of the Giants. Cowboys beat the Giants. Then that means the Cowboys are one spot down going up against the uh, the Commanders next week, Rams the week after, and then following that, following the Rams, they go down to Philly and play up against the Eagles. This is a very important game for the Dallas Cowboys. Don't, don't get it twisted. Very important game. I have absolutely no idea, not a thought in my no idea why people are so juiced up about the Giants. Everybody's like, Giants, 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 Giants. Giants are an awesome football team. Hold on, let me turn on my AC really, really quickly. Sorry about this. I know, I know, I know. Hold on. I have no idea why the Giants are valued higher than the Cowboys. I get it. Everybody loves to shit on the Cowboys and da-da-da-da-da. The Giants should realistically be 2-0. Or excuse me, 0-2 this season. They should be. They are not. They are not. I talked about the Giants versus the Titans week one. And I said, look, the Titans had had that game wrapped up. Wrapped up. And then they just choked the lead away, choked the game away. They were a joke of a football team. They could not stop the Giants running game. They let Saquon go. And just by go, I mean, they just couldn't fucking tackle me. Like, he got upfield. Guys were in improper gaps. It was just like, what, like, what are we doing? Is this our first, is this a preseason game? Like, do we need to go back to training camp? What's going on, Titans? What's going on? Saquon Barkley popped off for 9.1 yards per carry. He had 18 carries. And I said, look, next week, and I said it. I said, look, next week, tight, not, not against the Titans. Panthers, they're going to shut that shit down. And they did. They did. People forget. Like, everybody's like, Giants are 2-0. Saquon Barkley's popped off. He popped off in one game. The next game, he had 21 carries, 72 yards. They were waiting for him. Everybody was like, we know you don't want to throw the football to Dan with Daniel Jones. And everybody gets it twisted. Everybody's like, Daniel Jones has played awesome. Daniel Jones has played like he's always played. Mediocre. Against the Panthers? Against the Panthers. 22 of 34, 106, 176 yards and one touchdown. He's mediocre. To below mediocre, as a matter of fact. Against the Titans, Daniel Jones was 17 of 21. 188 yards 
two touchdowns, one interception. I would compliment the pass, the other completion percentage. If he had more yards. And if Saquon didn't pop off for 160-something yards. Daniel to me, and the Giants to me, they're just overblown. The Panthers game is a perfect example. They fumbled it twice. They fumbled the ball twice. They fumbled the ball twice. They fumbled it on the opening kickoff, and then they fumbled it on, like, their first offensive drive. They fumbled it twice. Those two drives where they fumbled the first two possessions led to six points that led to the Panthers' ultimate demise. They didn't score a touchdown, but they got six of 19 points. That's a third of their points off of turnovers. Off turnovers. And then it's just like, you look at the Giants. I don't know why people are picking the Giants over the Cowboys. It's like week one against the Titans. The Titans? They gave up five sacks. They were two for 10 on third down. It's like, how do they win that game? Now I'm, now I'm getting frustrated. How do they win that game? Two for 10 on third down? Are you kidding me? Five sacks. Joke. They threw an interception and they lost a fumble. Against the Panthers, they had two sacks. Two sacks is pretty good for the Panthers. All things considered, considering that they, they don't have any pass rushers. They have none. And they were like, oh, we're, we get two sacks. We get two. Oh, no, excuse me. That was, excuse me, that was the sacks allowed for the Panthers. The Giants, again, I mean, this just makes it even better. They allowed three sacks, excuse me, against the Panthers. Three! I'm like, I, I love how I go from being like, they let go two. They just, it's like, now they let go three. They had three against the Panthers. That's pretty great. Nobody's on the, nobody on the Panthers is a pass rusher. Nobody. They were, they were 30%, not as bad as they were week one against the Titans, but not very good against the Panthers. Great when it comes, they were six or 18 on third down. You, you want to be like 50%, that's great. But they were like six for 18. It's just like, that doesn't, like, that's not very good. Against the Panthers, where they don't really have a strong defense, they had a good running game, they had over 146 yards against the run, the yards per play for the Panthers was better by two yards. Why are people picking the Giants in this game? Cowboys offense is better. They have a better offensive line. They have a better running game. They have better receivers. Well, no, actually the Panthers do, but the, the, the Panthers couldn't figure out the wide receivers. Baker Mayfield and the Panthers, they lost two fumbles. It was a joke. It was a mess. Panthers shut down the Giants running game, which is what the Giants want to do. I'm done analyzing. Cowboys have one of the best, if not the best defensive players in the NFL in Micah Parsons who now has four sacks, and even without Micah, they're still able to provide pressure against the Bengals, and they're able to scheme up pressure against other teams. Five-man pressures. You think that Daniel Jones can look out and recognize when his guys are, are outmatched? Outmatched. Against the Dallas Cowboys? When it comes to numbers? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Cowboys at Giants. It's going to be a banger. But I'm taking the Giants. That came out wrong. I'm taking the Cowboys.
I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm going to be watching the Manning cast. I'm going to be watching the Dallas Cowboys on Manning cast. And potentially, Dak Prescott is going to be back. Next week. Not this week. Next week. Can't wait. Let me address the Jerry Jones controversy before I get on to Mike Tomlin. Jerry Jones is a moron. Jerry Jones said that it would be great if there was a quarterback controversy. Jerry Jones um, is a moron. He's a moron. No, like, Jerry, Cooper Rush is not as good as Dak. I hate, I hate even the thought of people even saying that. It's a joke. It's ridiculous. I cannot believe that people are actually saying that Dak Prescott can be replaced by Cooper, Cooper Rush. And it's just like, okay, all right. All right, okay, okay, just, okay. So it's like you guys have a losing record against the against all teams when Dak Prescott isn't playing. Don't say that. Do not say that. This is not, like, what Dallas is doing is not sustainable long-term. Jerry, shut the fuck up. You need Dak. You need him to play well. It's not just that you need Dak. You need him to play fucking well. Cooper Rush won one game, and everybody wants to throw a fucking party. I'm like, or technically he won two games in the last two years. Hey, great. Everybody wants to get rid of Dak. Shut the fuck up. I'm sick of this shit. Shut the fuck up, Jerry. Shut the fuck up. Get fucking players. So that way you're fucking off, not offensive. So that way your wide receiver that you traded away for shit doesn't embarrass you on Thursday night football. Amari Cooper, two games, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Shut the fuck up, Jerry. You're getting smoked. By your star wide receiver, your former star wide receiver. Shut the fuck up. Finally, addressing the Mike Tomlin issues. So Mike Tomlin said something interesting. I've been a Mike, Mike Tomlin guy pretty much all my life. I've been, I love Mike Tomlin. Mikey T. But Mike Tomlin... I mean, it's obvious that Mitchell Trubisky is not the guy. What's going to be interesting is if Kenny Pickett is the guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Or not even Kenny Pickett, excuse me, but just the offensive scheme. Like, they're like, we got to get Najee Harris involved. We got to get Najee. You don't have the offensive line to run it, nor should you run it 20 times when you have George Pickens on your sideline. And it's just like, it's obvious that George, to me, is one of your best players in that you have Chase Claypool, you have Deontay Johnson, you have, have George Pickens. I mean, you have so many weapons in the passing game. You don't have to take a shot every single play. You can dink and dunk. Get George Pickens involved. I mean, it's like, what, what are we doing here? And I, I love Mike Tomlin, but he's got to get his passing game going. He has way too many weapons. He always has awesome weapons. But for some weird reason, they're always just like, James Conner is our guy. He's the focal point of our offense. Le'Veon Bell, when we have Antonio Brown, when he's an apex predator, when he was an apex predator of a wideout. We're just like, it's Le'Veon Bell. And it's just like, guys, like, come on, man. I love Mike Tomlin. But, I mean, just... If he can't figure some of this stuff out, he said today, he's just like, he's not putting in Kenny Pickett. And I'm like, dude, like, are you sure about that? I'm like, your team was not very good against the Browns and Jacoby Brissett. Like, what? It's like, you cannot run the football forever. 
You couldn't even run it last year. It's like you guys need offensive linemen to run the football. You guys didn't go out and get any. You have great wideouts. I don't know why they aren't trying to prioritize their wide receivers. I'm talking in circles right now. I know. But I just, to me, the, re- the answer is obvious. Develop a passing game. And I don't, I don't know if they will. And that's why I'm like, should the Pittsburgh Steelers beef, not beef, excuse me, should the Pittsburgh Steelers fire Mike Tomlin? Is that something that they need to do if he can't figure out their passing game? They spend the most on their defense and they got shredded by the Browns last night? Like, really? That's what we're calling good defense now? Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I'm peacing out for tonight. Music matters tomorrow. We're going to be listening to Maya Hawk's newest album. Everybody's been ranting and raving about it all day. Can't wait. Sunday, we're going to watch uh, all three of those games that I just mentioned. Indianapolis versus Chiefs, Green Bay at Bucks, and the 49ers versus the Broncos. Cannot wait. Unfortunately, because of Russia's absolute despicable invasion into the Ukraine, Formula One canceled the Russian Grand Prix. Not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm saying that that's a very good thing. But Formula One isn't this weekend. So it looks like I'm going to have to wait another week for Formula One. I don't mind it, but, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I'll see you tomorrow. Music matters. And then I'll see you Sunday. Cannot wait. Oof. A lot of great football games coming up on week three. But I'll see you tomorrow. 24's podcast.